Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. you steamed or grilled uh <laughs> i'm your host steven vargas and uh here with me from uh well not here with me but with me via skype so here for me virtually is uh from arizona 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 adam a motherfucking rally i just realized that skype is the only thing microsoft on my computer <laughs> I just realized that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right, huh? Yeah, that is Microsoft. The only time I go into the Microsoft realm anymore is is when I have to talk to you. Because <laughs> I have to use the, the OneNote web app and Skype. Skype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, really quickly, I want to touch base on last week. We had the show ready. We were, had the show. Show notes were all done. Everything was set to go. We were ready to record that night. And then on my end, I I got a promotion at work, and in that pro- in the space of four hours from the from the time that I got promoted to I had four hours to catch a flight to Chicago that day. So um, it yeah. So I had to you know I, I kind of gave Adam a little heads up that something could be happening, but I wasn't sure. And uh, but I wanted to say beast mode for Adam for carrying the site. For you know, four days uh, while I was away, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he 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 did the work and um, didn't bitch you know like he does. What you know. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he didn't whine and be like oh really I really uh. why you gotta under why you gotta undercut the compliment though you know it's just <laughs> it's called a backhanded compliment right uh, yeah no but uh, seriously though dude thanks help me out um. And uh, so, yeah, so that this whole week has just been kind of still kind of a little bit of a blur for me. But, you know, it's really cool that I had some, you know, that I had you to back me up and and take care of this for me. There's an old saying 
that a buddy of mine always says at work and uh never never knock a man's hustle so as soon as i hear a friend of mine's about to make some more money i will i'll be like no i got you don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> make some money please yeah so uh then i can borrow that shit and let me get a 40 spot real quick <laughs> hang with the holidays coming up you know <laughs> yeah it's like hey man christmas coming up we got a lot of kids i right? yeah. <laughs> you throw me some, you need to throw me some gifts or a check pick one <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's why if you saw the website, you know, seemed a little lean this week as far as stories. Adam was Adam was taking up a lot of the slack. So yeah, and I am still a busy motherfucker. So yeah. I, I, what did I do? Three a day? Yeah. So it, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I usually do two a day. I did three a day. Yeah. Oh no. You know. <laughs> and I think ninety eight percent of them were gaming. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which is fine, you know. But. uh but yeah, so it's been really cool, and we actually it, – it was funny too because like we didn't really – like sometimes when – in the past when we've posted least less lesser content, it tends to – you know, we see a little bit of a dip. But we actually didn't see a bit of a dip this this last week, so. Of course, motherfucker, because I was on that shit. <laughs> I remember the first day I posted three stories, and it was like triple the day before. <laughs> yeah, that was us, right? Yeah, but somebody somebody shared one of our stories on Reddit when that I'm like going, oh, that's that's always nice. Um, all right, so, uh, so and and yeah, so that's why there was no podcast last week. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in, listening to this um this show. So um. Yeah, uh, it's funny because we kind of have the show notes from last week, but there's also some new shit that kind of came up. So we're like eh, trying to work them both in together. Um, last the the week that the show was originally going to do, I put on put on here that I played Kingdom Hearts 1.5, and shit's ridiculous, dude. I I it, it looks so clean mm. and like. Uh, especially like I don't know how well you remember the beginning, but you know when he's falling through in that dream and he's landing on all those like pictures of all the princess Disney princesses, mm-hmm. like the color was fucking popping. Like I'm sitting there going, wow. See, I'm I'm on the fence right now because I I want to pick it up, but I've already played those two games, so I don't even know if I should. I don't. But is it worth it though? I, I you don't know even I mean? know why we're having this conversation right now. It's it's like that. Huh? Yeah, it's like that. And I haven't played them so I, actually I never beat the second one. Yeah, the second broke. one was a little like, meh, but the first one was pretty is pretty fucking awesome. Well, the, the first Kingdom Hearts is one of the greatest RPGs I've ever played. Oh yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's because it, it was so cool because one th- one thing that Kingdom Hearts did was when it was announced, everyone's like, this game's gonna be fucking whack because it's got like, Disney characters in it, so it's gonna be all kitty and shit. Right. But it completely broke that fucking stereotype. Yeah. Like, I was like, ugh, dude, it's I, I dope. mean, you had the little, like, the little cute stuff, you know, between, like, Goofy and Donald and stuff like that, but that shit got dark quick and totally oh, yeah, had, dude. like, layers to it, like the whole, you know, looking out, finding out adventure somewhere else, you know. Just... And I didn't mind the cute little shit between the Disney characters it because they're kinda... fucking Disney characters. Yeah, but it, it kind of broke it up, too. Like I felt that it kind of broke up the heaviness of of the 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 human characters. Then when you got the Disney characters, it kind of lightened it up and kind of like, oh yeah, this is this is kind of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, and dude, gotta tell you, got the, got this little hookup on day one. Um. So fucker, always trying to get a hookup. So, well, well, here's the thing. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm not a big fan of Best Buy. Um. Hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of Best Buy because they're always overpriced. 
um, and their selection is kind of shit now, at least the local one that I have. Um, and so on their web ad, they're like, Kingdom Hearts. And then, of course, you know, Star Trek Into Darkness. So I had a $10 off coupon, and I was like, going, all right, well, I'll use it, and I'll I go and I'll get 10 bucks off, so it, that, that's always cool. So I go over there. I go into the store. I look, and I get Star Trek. It's 20 bucks. So I figure, okay, cool. I'll get it for like 10 bucks. And I'm looking around for Kingdom Hearts. Nothing. I'm seeing nothing. Like there were a couple of games that came out that week, and there was nothing. I'm looking around. There's not even a space for it. And, you know, nobody went when somebody go, um, when I looked to ask somebody help, they like took off. Like they went the other direction. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, this fucking place blows, dude. So I walk over to the front. I get the that ad. Best Buy in your neighborhood sucks. It, I've been there a couple times. And it sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I went to the, the front and I grabbed the paper and I looked in the, the physical ad. Nothing about Kingdom Hearts. Didn't even have it in the ad. And I was like, what the fuck on the web ad? It showed that it was going to have it, you know, because it does it by, you know, your location. I was like, well, this fucking bullshit. So I go, well, I have the $10 coupon, so I'll get, I got Star Trek for 9 dollars Decide, I go, oh, well, my my store is right next door to GameStop. So I go pop into GameStop. Manager there is like, hey, what's up, man? And I was like, not much. And I had, I was like at the front. I raised up the Kingdom Hearts thing, and he's like, he smiles. He's like, I got gotcha. you. So I get over there, and he goes, he goes, you didn't pre-order? So I go, no, I wasn't sure if I was going to have cash on me or not. And, and I go, fortunately, it worked out. And he goes, all right. He goes, he goes, all right, you know what? Here. I'll get you the pre-order copy, even though you didn't pre-order it. And the pre-order copy is the fucking art book. GameStop with that hookup, though. Yeah, I know. So I was like, oh, damn. So like, you go through the art book, and at the back is the disc, and it's fucking sick. So I was like, oh, dude, dude, you got me. So, And, of course, I picked up uh, GTA, even though I was supposed to pick it up on Tuesday, but I was in fucking Chicago, so I didn't pick it up till Friday. And it looks fucking amazing on my shelf i haven't had time to play it yet but i plan to play it on monday i plan to get some gaming in on that because that is just something that was like oh god i gotta play that i heard so many cool things about it and just like i just want to be fun you you think you want to give you give away that little bit you were telling me beforehand the, oh yeah because it, it's, it's not a spoiler it's it really it's not a spoiler it's just something cool um in the game but it's it has i'm just gonna let everybody know before i say it, it has nothing to do with storyline or anything like that um it's just something funny so there's three characters in the game obviously um and each one has a different cell phone <laughs> and from what i hear because i haven't played the game but I've, I've heard this on a few sites um one of them has an android one of them has a iphone and one of them has a windows phone i just thought that was kind of cool yeah and, but the crazy one's the one who has the windows. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. I thought that was funny. Oh, man. I can't wait to play that game. That thing's going to be awesome. But, yeah, if you haven't – if you've heard of Kingdom Hearts and haven't played it, you need to pick it up there. You need to pick it up now. Um, it's an awesome game. Yeah, like like Adam said, it's one of the best um, RPG games. Simply the best. Oh, I had a, I had a guy who was um, – who I work with, and he's like – um, he goes, man, he goes, you know, I want to get Kingdom Hearts. He goes, but I want to get the final mix. And we're like, dude, the remix just came out. It's the remix of the final one. And he's like, what? And didn't realize that he had, you know, he has just an X, he has an Xbox, doesn't have a PS3. And he's like, motherfucker. He goes, now I have to get a PS3. And I'm like, dude, you get a PS3 now and PS4 is about to come out. You're going to get games for like 10 bucks. <laughs> it's like, now's yeah. the perfect time to start getting that thing. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, so <laughs> so back, this one here kind of tails back to uh, what Adam said in the beginning, how why he why these before the podcast is only two Microsoft bits he's using. So in a strange turn of events, now I work I work in Geeks, so I'm just come out and say it, mm-hmm. and I love my job. I really do. I didn't like when I was on the sales floor, but I like working at Geek Squad. I work in the back and friggin' um, – so we talk about a lot of nerdy shit, you know, and when Linux came up and I was like, yeah, I used to use um, – I used to dabble in Linux back in the day and I really like it, but I'm not using it currently. So this motherfucker that I work with was like, that's because you can't hang with it. I'm like, what, dude? <laughs> what are we doing right now, you know? So he's like, I dare you um, – I dare you to fucking use Linux for for a week or for a month straight, and um, and not go back to Windows at all. I'm like, dude, I'm and I told him, I'm like, dude, I could do this very easily, and not even be upset. So you're 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 literally the only game I play on my PC is WoW, and I know it works in Linux. So I I don't know what you're trying to prove here. He's like, you ain't gonna do it, because but and then I found out he hates Linux. And he's a fucking Mac head. So I'm like, oh, this all right. Uh, it's like now now we're paying attention. Shit just got real. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take your your challenge. I go, how are you even going to prove if I'm doing it or not? He's like, we'll go on the honor system. We're all, we're all fucking legit people here. I'm like, all right, cool. So um, I still send him a few screenshots every once in a while because I'm legit, but I don't trust <laughs> nobody. <laughs> so um, I installed it and – I've been using it, and honestly, I've, I've fallen right back into it and just dig it. It's like Windows 8, and it's still Windows 8's a fine operating system, but the novelty of it just kind of wore off of me. And I started kind of seeing through some of the things that were going on and how um, Windows 8 doesn't look like Apple, but the business practices are starting to look like Apple, and that's kind of getting on my nerves, like the whole – Everything needs to be done this way, and it's all going to be the same across a bunch of different devices. And I'm like, ah. like I like, I just want things to be customizable. I don't want to be fucking around. Like, like if you perfect example is the new update for Windows 8 that's coming out is going to allow you to put a wallpaper on the back of the start screen, and you're like, yeah, and you couldn't do that at first. Like, there's a little shit like that. It's like, right. come on, dude, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I still recommend Windows 8 to anybody who doesn't want to go, like, into Linux or whatever. And, um, it's fine. I always recommend it over Apple. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but I'm that, in Linux, and I'm happy. That's kind of a no-brainer at that point. I got a sick-ass fucking um, desktop theme. I use, I use a desktop uh, called XFCE. So... With Linux, there's a lot of different desktop environments you can choose from. Um, the most common ones are one called GNOME. No, the three most common are GNOME, um, KDE. KDE looks a lot like GNOME looks a little bit like a Mac. Uh, KDE looks like Windows a little bit. And then there's Unity, which is the one that comes with uh, Unity. I know. I see Unity. That's the one that comes with Ubuntu, Ubuntu by detail default xfce is a lightweight one it looks like um when you first install it it kind of looks like a mac but i i put the taskbar at the bottom just because that's where i like it um and it uh it's more lightweight because because i'm in the school of thought like your desktop shouldn't be taking up a lot of resources it should be in the background 
Right. You know, it's it's a desk. Right? <laughs> right. Like my my desk that my computer's on is not lit up with lights and moving. It it's just a piece of wood. Unless you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> so um, you know, I have that going and it's uh it's pretty dope. Nice. Linux beast mode. Um another beast mode situation. So I don't know I don't know if uh Steve knows much about the Dragon Quest series. Or better known as Dragon Warrior, if you go back through America, the American copies of it in the NES, um, because he's not that big of a nerd. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the the Dragon Warrior Dragon Quest series um, came out in Japan um, before Final Fantasy, uh, and then Final Fantasy just basically blew up. Um, and even though Dragon Quest was extremely popular, it kind of was overshadowed a little bit. Uh, but Dragon Quest Three, which came out originally on the Famicom, which would be the NES to us, but it didn't come to America, so the Famicom, um, was an awesome game. And then, well, from what I hear, and then um, they made a Super Famicom version of it, which was the same game. But they added some cool features, and it's known as one of the greatest RPGs of all time in many lists. Um, of people who can play Japanese games. So I found an English translation of the game. And I am super excited. And I'm going to be <laughs> playing through this game. I played a little bit of the beginning. And for the time period, it was way in depth. And it's one of the first games that had an actual like deep customization system for your characters and, and balancing. and Which is commonplace in, in an RPG nowadays. But right. back then, it was like... I'm a warrior. I hit things. <laughs> that was pretty much it. But, um, you know, you create this, the old school style, you have your own team, you create the team of people and balance it out and all that, you know, story seems pretty cool. So I'm just excited about that. And I wanted to share, you know, is it a legit copy? No. <laughs> Why would and it I'm be? Not, I mean, it's a super Famicom game that, that doesn't technically exist. Because it's there is no English translation of the game in physical form, so technically I'm stealing nothing. That's the way <laughs> I see it. And as long as that justification holds, there's always a way to justify exactly shit like that. So, <laughs> I don't think I don't mm -hmm. think uh, Nintendo gives a fuck about <laughs> the English translation of a game they never translated. So. It's... <laughs> All right. Well, I guess on that note, I think it's time to uh, jump into some news. Mm. Mm. So, movie news this week, or last week, or whatever week it is. <laughs> I know some people are still complaining about Star Trek Into Darkness, but I loved the movie and thought it, was, it I thought it did a good job bringing the franchise full circle. However, if people thought that they were going to have another round of J.J. Abrams bashing for this franchise, they will be sorely mistaken. It seems that Abrams is passing the director's chair to someone else. Quote, it definitely feels like the right time to let someone come in and do their own thing, he recently told IGN. Abrams described his uh, directorial split with the Star Trek universe as bittersweet, though he'll still be playing, uh, staying on as producer, at least on the next film. Quote, 
We want to hire someone who's going to come in and bring their own sensibility, Abram said. I'm very excited to see what comes next, despite feeling jealous of whoever that person is. With Abrams working on Disney's Star Wars Episode 7, which will uh, leave him very little time to ramp up for the next Star Trek film, don't expect a new director to be named very quickly. Quote, there are things we're focusing on right now before the director, it's, um, which is – just sort of the fundamentals of where the story is going to go, he said in the interview with uh, Hitflick, Hitfix. I'm excited to see who the new director may be, given that he hired the third Mission Impossible. He directed the third Mission Impossible film and then helped select Brad Bird as a successor to make it the best and most profitable Mission Impossible film of the series. So I have high hopes for this one. Um, I mean, so many people bashed fucking Star Trek Into Darkness. But I thought the movie was good. It was solid. I think it was just people hating on Abrams. Like they, the the trolls don't know the difference between paying homage and and direct stealing. Yeah, I mean, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Absolutely. You know, and and as long as you're not trying to claim that you created it first. Yeah. You're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, and it's not uh, like you're taking you're taking the biggest parts of other things and using them, and you're going to tell me that no Star Trek fan is going to know that, and you're thinking like, oh, we'll pass it off as no. He's smarter than that. Whenever somebody says, um, like a particular director, oh, he's just taking that from this or that. He all he does is bite. I'm like, you know, eighty percent of romantic comedies or just romantic movies are based off of a Shakespearean play. Huh. You don't you don't see the uh, Royal Shakespearean Company over in England or whatever they're called freaking out every time somebody makes a romance movie. You know, it's like get over it. Yeah. You know, the the friggin' Taming the Shrew has been remade a bazillion times. Oh yeah. And you know, so for me, it's just kind of like it sucks that Abrams um, Abrams gonna leave, but yeah, you know what? You do the first two, you let the third one go to someone else, and you know he's. Any, he does well for himself, so you know at least he's going to care and going to help select a good director for it. So, Well, a lot of the Star Trek fanboys are bitter because they think that he's just choosing Star Wars over Star Trek. But I think – I don't know. I mean because come on. If you were given the opportunity to direct Star Wars, who would say no? Well, are you going to start a war now? I, you know? yeah. No, I mean I think – I don't think he's choosing – Star Wars over Star Trek. I think he's choosing to do something new. But you it, know. yeah, but you you got to yeah, and I and I agree with that. And the yeah, cool and you don't th- want to pass on Star Wars too, and that's yeah. not a knock at Star Trek. But yeah, I mean, but also too at the same time, you know what he's playing. What I've been hearing about what he's going to do, he's taking Star Trek, uh, Star Wars back to the original trilogy, film doing it on film. Not he's not doing it digitally. He's going to do it on fucking film. You know, yeah, and you know he's he's gonna take it back, which is gonna be cool because he grew up like all of us watching that shit. I so, heard Yoda. I heard uh, if Yoda's in it, he's gonna be a Muppet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, but um, oh god, there was something I was gonna say in regards. Oh, I, at the store the other day, this guy had um, a T-shirt that said "Star Wars is my favorite um, favorite movie of all time," and in the middle it had the Enterprise on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a new – it's like a new trend with memes now too, like having a picture of somebody and then a quote from somebody else, but it's cap, it's it's titled as somebody else too. So yeah. it's like three people and then you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but I saw that shirt. I was like, oh, that's funny. I like that. I yeah. have to wear that to Comic-Con. <laughs> it's kind of symbolic too of all the uh, 
people that are trying to jump on like the geeky bandwagons now. Oh yeah, which I think is so funny. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I've, I've loved that for years. No, you fucking have it. <laughs> it's like, trying to get that hot geek love now. Yeah, it's like no, no, no. Name me an episode. <laughs> Name me something in canon from the books. From the oh. books. <laughs> That's when you know someone's getting real when they start mentioning. Well, that was in uh, the third book. I was like, oh shit. Well, <laughs> sorry. Well, well, if you go back to the uh, if you go back to the eighties, we there was that um, novel uh, Strangers from the Sky, in yeah. which. Um, Kirk went back in time with Earth with Gary Mitchell and um, and Elizabeth Daner, and um, that was the first meeting of the Vulcans. You're like, oh shit! <laughs> so, you know what, dude? I I think I'm just gonna call it. You won, <laughs> and I'm just gonna go fuck bitches. So sorry. Anyway, you gotta respect those people. I I love people that are so passionate about something. They just they know everything. Yeah, like I like that. Um. Anyway. Anyways. A movie adaptation of the EA video game Dante's Inferno is in the works, and it's now found its director. Uh, is it Fide? Like, F-E-D-E? It's Fide, right? Fide, yeah. Yeah, Fide Alvarez, the man who also directed the Evil Dead reboot, will be taking up the task of bringing the game to life on the big screen. The Universal product will be produced by Eric Newman, Mark Abraham, and EA's own vice president, Patrick O'Brien. Wow, you got some three regular names in there. Usually you get still... Let's not say regular because that's that's a little racist. But names that my English-speaking tongue can pronounce... Normally, Adam picks gets the stories that has like the the just basically a, just a, a a grouping of different vowels. It's like the United <laughs> Nations. Like I have to, it's ridiculous. Um, while while the movie will be based on the game, the game is actually based on one of the most famous works of literature in human history by the same name, written by Dante. Here we go, Alighieri, which I think I'm pronouncing that completely wrong. Um, I get the, it. This, yes, it's Italian. Yeah, it's probably a giddy. So, yeah. Um, it's like, dude, I've played all the Assassin's Creeds, so <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> the story shows a terrifying it's depiction. It's not wrong. <laughs> right? um, the story shows a terrifying depiction of what Alicari, or see, now you got me fucked up, <laughs> um, saw as hell. Um, the story was so the story was so good. Um, it became the basis of what many religions, including Catholicism, feels hell is like. Um, that's an interesting side note, by the way. Um, Catholic hell, you know, the fire and brimstone and right. all that, the different layers of hell, didn't exist until Dante Inferno writ, wrote that poem. Yeah, they didn't. You know, I just thought that was interesting. Um, personally, I love Dante's Inferno, both the story and the game. That game is twisted. That game is sick, though, dude. Oh, I know. I know. And but it's I, just so twisted. I love the little, like, history bits. Like, when you yeah. find people down there, like, oh, dude, the game is – it is twisted, but it's awesome. But you know what? The game isn't twisted. The fucking poem is twisted. Like, read oh. the poem, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, that I mean, the, crazy. the little babies that, you know. Yeah, that's the um, unbaptized babies. Yeah. Purgatory. Um, if you're Catholic. Personally, I love Dante's Inferno, both the story and the game. At its core, it's a love story with Dante descending into the depths of hell to save his wife. While horrifying and gruesome in its depiction of the underworld, it's a heroic tale and one that everyone should read. Notice that I said read. You should play the game too, but seriously, read the fucking poem. Um, <laughs> Pick up, least, read a book for crying out loud. Right? Or at least play the game, since we all know most people today aren't going to read anything with the word classic associated with it, sadly. <laughs> and that's true. Um, 
obviously I'm a fan of the poem, but it, by the way, it's 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 an epic poem, which means it's not you know a fucking haiku. I mean, it, <laughs> it's it's a long story, uh, but it's it's pretty good. Um, it's right up there with the Beowulf too. Is well now we're gonna get into some other shit, but I think um, I haven't seen the Evil Dead reboot, but I heard. Not only was it gruesome, but it was fairly well done. Like, it wasn't, like, stupid, you know. Right. Um, so I have high hopes because um, Dante's Inferno, the game was relatively true to form to the poem. Um, as much as they could be, of course. Right. Uh, and I think that um, I love um, Catholic-esque uh, myth- mythos. Mm-hmm. Like I really do, and artwork and and stuff like that. And I think if they give a if they don't give this a rated R rating, they're fucking doing it wrong for one. But if they do, it's going to be an amazing movie. But I think it's going to be a movie that a lot of people don't see in the theater. Yeah, because it's religious. Most religious movies people won't, don't see in the theater that much. But um, we'll see. Yeah. All right. See, scared a fucking shit out of me. Yeah, I know, right? That game itself scared the shit out of me. That game was dope. I mean, it was basically God of War. It was like the Christian God of War. Yeah. But it, it Well, I it remember okay. I remember playing it at your place. Yeah. Yeah, because you had it. We were just like, oh my god, what the fuck? Did I tell you, I beat that on um on Hardcore or whatever. Yeah. That super hard mode that unlocks when you beat the game. I fucking beat that shit. Yeah. The sound you're hearing is him patting himself on the back. Those little unbaptized babies got the end of my fucking sword trying to fly at me. <laughs> All right, moving on into uh, into gaming news. Babies. <laughs> uh, sometimes you see an idea and you th- and you begin to think, "Hey, that's cool." However, after a minute of thinking about it, you suddenly realize that it's a silly idea. Not necessarily a bad one, just a silly one. That's <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the PSP Go silly, but only time will confirm that. Sony has announced their PlayStation Vita TV. What does it do? Well, if I heard this right, it brings you everything you want with their existing PlayStation Vita, but allows you to play it on your television. The device measures six by, um, 6.5 centimeters by 10.5 centimeters, features the, set, uh, features the set chip and system software of the PlayStation Vita. Using a, the micro console and a DualShock controller, T, um, Vita TV owners will be able to play 1300 Vita P- PSP and older classic PlayStation games on your television screen. You will also be able to access movies, ebooks, and PlayStation Plus uh, through your TV, and PlayStation 4 will be playable by via remote play. Uh, Vita TV will launch in Japan on November, November 14th, priced at 9,480 yen, uh, which is equivalent to 61 euros or 95 bucks here in the States, or 9,954 yen, which is about 64 pounds and 100 bucks US uh, with tax, according to CVG. Also, the devices will be available for 14,980 yen, 96 pounds or 151, bundled with the DualShock 3 controller and an 8 gig memory card. A global release is coming, but no specific uh, no specific date was provided. This was actually based on an earlier art, on an earlier story. But it had since been updated, saying that there is no plans for global release. It's only going to be released in, I believe it was uh, Japan, South Korea, and I think China, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I, I look at this and wonder why someone would get this. Yes, it's a less expensive than getting an actual PS Vita, but the, por- um, but the portability is a major draw for the device. However, it seems that there'll be 
playing with the people that would like to play portable games but would actually play them on but wouldn't actually play them on a portable device i really don't see the market for this especially in the western world but i mean you do um you can do virtually everything you can on the playstation vita with the play um, with the vita tv since they're using a standard dualshock 3 not all games are required to have the touch screen or the rear um, touchpad and um will not be playable through the p um uh, the PlayStation, uh, the Vita TV, me- basically meaning about the PS4. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but it doesn't seem to serve a point, and I question if anybody will actually buy it. However, since that, um, since like I just mentioned that they weren't going to do a U.S. or European release, um, CVG is um, put up a story on Sunday saying that um, <laughs> Sony execs seem surprised that there was actual interest from the U.S. and European. Here's their article. Um, Sony Exec, uh, this was also, this is from Sean Prescott over there at CVG Australia. Uh, Sony um, executives are surprised by Western interest in the PlayStation Vita TV, hitting that the device will be launched in the U.S. and Europe at some point. Uh, while the product has a solid release window in Asia, the West is not a key target for Sony. Representatives have claimed that there is no demand for such a device. In a recent interview with Eurogamer, though, uh, Sony, Jap- um, Sony Japan executive... Uh, Masayu is um, Ito admitted that the response from the Western nations has been stronger than expected, hinting at an eventual launch in the regions. Of course, we're thinking of launching it in the U.S. and Europe, he said. But when it comes to timing, we'll have to watch the environment and identify what other devices are available in the U.S. and Europe, and whether uh, and whether we'll add we'll have to add other um, add other services. SCE President Andrew House said last week that Sony was targeting Asia because the region lacks strong competition in that space. The reason why it was it's launched in Japan earlier than any other country is that there is no leading competition in, the, in Japan's video streaming market, House said. The company is planning to sell a PlayStation Vita TV in China, South Korea, etc., but not in the U.S. and European market at this point. House reiterated the strategies um, with Eurogamer, claiming that there isn't any, um, there isn't really a competition here that stakes out a claim. And frankly, in my own view, Japan is a little behind the adoption curve of video streaming services. He added that Sony has been very encouraged by the Western response of the PlayStation Vita. The PlayStation Vita will be released in Japan in November and other Asian um, Asian regions this January, um, and it was a. Uh, it was unveiled at the Japanese press conference earlier this month with it. So, uh, yeah, so that should be interesting. But you had mentioned something earlier when we talked about this before the podcast, didn't you, that people are overlooking? Oh, you said it was the PS4, though, but it was, you were talking about the remote play, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I mixed I missed them up. Mm. Mixed the two devices up. Yeah, because it's using a DualShock 3, which means that... you won't be able to really use it for PS4 games. Yeah, because before, before the podcast, we were talking about... Um, I was like, well, the Vita TV's dope because you can play the PlayStation 4 in another room. But yeah, I think I'm thinking of remote play, which is something that's going to be available in the States. Um, I don't think at launch for the PS4, but pretty soon. Yeah, it's not supposed to be at launch. It, it will be coming up, probably they said, I think in a couple months after that. Yeah, and that's just a standard... Um, I was actually looking at I was looking at it when we were talking earlier because um, I was like, why is it coming to the States? I could have sworn it was. And I was like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Um, but the remote play is dope. I mean, yeah. I, I think I'm going to pick that up because you could have the PlayStation upstairs. And then if somebody's using your 
the TV for something. You could just go to the wherever the remote play is and play. Yeah, I know, right? I think that's pretty sick. Yeah, and your Vita connects to the remote play too. So I think that's why Vita TV is kind of useless here because yeah. we have remote play. So yeah, and that know. that's the thing for me is like going that that's why I was like because I was like going well we're gonna have remote play with the PS4. But you won't be able to play a lot of PS4 games on this. It just seems like somebody – it's for some people that may not want to get an actual Vita and a PS4. See, Japan, Japan's an interesting place with technology. They'll come out with fucking everything. Yeah. And then just see what happens. And I think it's because it's, it's – one is Japan is a very technology-crazed country. Yeah. But that's not an insult, you know. And then also yes, it's, a it small, is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a much smaller market. Yeah. So they can more safely come out with things like, oh, let's see what happens. America's a pretty fucking big market. Same with Europe. So it's like you can't just be like, let's bring this to America. And then it just fails. And you're like, shit, we just wasted billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, because they're still reeling from the PSP Go. Mm. Yeah, so. I still think that device is okay. It was more business decisions that fucked it. Fucked yeah. it. Because the Go is is – it's like the missing link between the evolution of the PlayStation Portable devices because you have the PSP Go and then the Vita. But it's um, it's funny too because the difference between the PSP and the and the Vita is the memory card. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the PSP, it was just a flash flash memory. Flash. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a memory stick duo. Was it? I thought it in was the, just... in the PSP. No, in the Go, I'm talking about. Oh yeah, in the Go, there was, was no. Yeah, it, it was, was flash. just flash memory. Yeah, which is dumb because yeah. that's just gonna break soon. But exactly. Um, okay, moving right along. Mm-hmm. Two things I love on my computer are video games and Linux. I'm seeing a pattern although, here. <laughs> right? <laughs> there just happen to be a lot of stories. Um, although those two things don't always mix well, Linux has always been, had poor support for PC gaming. And while that's, that's um, more the game developer's fault than Linux, and to be honest, it's kind of Linux's fault too because there's so many different damn distros. <laughs> um <laughs> It still, it still can, it still can still be okay. A make or break decision when it comes to what OS you run on your computer. Valve, who recently brought their Steam platform to Linux, has a few nice things to say about the platform and what the future holds for it in the gaming world. Valve co-founder Gabe Newell sat down with LinuxCon in New Orleans yesterday, saying, It feels a little bit funny coming here and telling you guys that Linux and open source are the future of gaming. It's sort of like going to Rome and teaching Catholicism to the Pope. He <laughs> continues. I thought that was funny. Um, next week, we're going to be rolling out more information about how we get there and what are the hardware opportunities we see for bringing Linux into the living room. So... This fall, this falls right in line with Newell's previous comments made earlier this year, stating that Linux helps Valve, quote, make sure we have the freedom to innovate and pursue the opportunities all of all of us see, and saying that Linux is kind of a get out of jail free pass for our industry if we need it. He added that our company wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the openness of PC. Steam wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the openness of the internet. Our industry will be the best in the long run if there's an open platform for innovation and competition. Um, Valve has already confirmed they'll be stepping into the hardware game and has posted for beta testers for software and hardware betas following not... Oh, wait. There should have been a comma there. Um, (laughs) Stepping into the hardware game, it has posted for beta testers for software 
and with hardware betas following not too far after that. It said they're they're working on a prototype right now, but not much more is known at this point. We know about the Steam box and different stuff like that. Um, this is a huge this is huge not only for gaming but for the Linux platform in general. With a major player like Valve supporting it, more companies will take notice if it if it becomes a success and brings support with them. Linux has always been a bit of a of a Oh no, Linux has seen a bit of a surge in new users since Microsoft's Windows 8 release with many users looking for a more, quote, or like, you know, traditional look and feel for their OS. Only time will tell what the future holds for Linux, but all I can say is it's about damn time. Um, They're talking about next year being like the year of Linux, but they also said that back in 99. But um, for gaming, you have um, Valve doing this shit. And then IBM, on a side note, just announced they're putting $1 billion into uh, Linux funding. And IBM's always been a, a huge um, cheerleader for Linux. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see what happens. Because, I mean, and I was thinking about that for the business side of things. Windows 8 does not fit in a business ecosystem at all. No. It's 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 flashy. It's for fun shit. So when, when Windows 7 um, support cuts... They have nowhere to go unless Microsoft makes something new, but I highly doubt they're going to because Microsoft's main thing lately is you do it this way. Yeah. You know, so I don't know, man. And Linux is free. Like, you do it this way, and I'm going to charge you some money. It's like, uh, or I can do it any way I want and pay nothing. Right. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, going into comic news. Ooh. Yeah. Um,. A couple weeks ago, we mentioned to you about the story about the DC Comics beginning a talent search for a new artist using the description from their upcoming Harley Quinn title. Apparently, the description has ruffled some feathers with various groups. The tryout page in question depicts the main character naked in a bathtub, seemingly about to commit suicide, and uh, reiterated, quote, The entire story is cartoony and over-the-top in tone. While DC Comics has apparently apologized that it offended anyone, the publisher is still continuing with the open talent search as is. A statement um, issued on Thursday after the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, American Psychiatrics Association, um, and uh, National Alliance for Mental Illness expressed their disappointment in the publisher, calling the contest extremely insensitive and potentially dangerous, according to CBR. Quote, 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 uh, we believe that instead of making light of suicide, DC Comics could have used this opportunity to host a contest looking for artists to depict a hopeful message that there is help for those in crisis, the three groups said in a joint statement uh, published in USA Today and the Huffington Post. This would have been a positive message to send, especially to young readers. The statement continued on behalf of the tens of millions of people who have lost a loved one to suicide. The contest is extremely insensitive and potentially dangerous. We know for research that graphic and sensational depictions of suicide can contribute to the contagion. Uh, Jim Lee, uh, co-publisher Jim Lee, addressed some of the criticism over the past weekend via Twitter, saying the criticism about the uh, the piece isn't in context of the character. He said that uh, the intent of uh, Palamotti and co-writer Amanda Connor wasn't to sexualize suicide or even create a story about suicide. I can assure you that the Harley Quinn number zero is not about suicide, not even close. Um, I personally think that the criticism over the pieces ve- has very little merit. When you take the character as a whole, this 
and see the actions as the character in the past, you know this is part of her. This is her thoughts before she becomes what she is known to be. It is her origin story, and I think people um, before people complain about the issue, they need to understand the context. However, most people in this day and age take something and make a big deal out of it, filling the story with their opinion, rather, um, which is later translated into fact. The fact of the matter is suicide is a very important thing to focus on, and this country focuses very little on mental health issues. However, the events that take place in this story are genuine to the character and the overall story being told. In simpler language, calm down. Yeah, this this story interests me because it's um it's it's one of those it's one of those situations where art imitates life, but yeah. people don't like it because it's it's an ugly side of life. So they don't want it to be in there. But I think it's funny because the the character of Harley Quinn, which I know a little bit about, um, is is interesting. In the fact is that su- suicidal um, thoughts, if you knew anything about the character, would fit right in line with um, some of the problems that she may may have faced in her life. Right. Um, I mean, her boyfriend's the Joker for Christ's sake. Yeah, you know. Right. So it's it's. It would be weird to see a happy-go-lucky Harley Quinn who had no issues and then all of a sudden went batshit crazy and started killing somebody. It makes no sense to me where they want to go with this. And, and obviously there's imagery and stuff like that. But the thing is, is, is suicide isn't – suicide is like homosexuality. It can't rub off on you. Right. You can't catch it or be tricked into it. If, if you If you are having suicidal thoughts, it's because you have a bigger issue. Right. Your issue isn't suicide. Your issue is something else that is causing you to come to that point. And reading a story about suicide is not going to make a perfectly normal person go, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. Right. Exactly. You know, it's and I think that the ignorance of of that notion is is worse than having a story that's depicting it. Oh, I agree. And I've always been a, a, a proponent of looking at. You know, we're looking at the cause and not the symptom, you know, instead of looking at it and saying, yeah, if it's like, again, it goes back to blaming video games for violence or music for violence. It's simply because people don't like a certain thing. They're willing to tag on things and say like, oh, this is the cause of of suicide. And, And to be honest, if something is causing suicide or somebody to commit murder or something like that, there's got to be something else wrong with them. Exactly. In this country, we hold – and I'll get into this later because we do have another story that kind of goes on the same tangent, so I'll wait for that. But um, uh, what you got? Um, shit. I'm thinking about what we're talking about. All right. <laughs> um, it seems that 2013 will go down as the year DC Comic had the biggest creative team shakeup since they relaunched the universe back in 2011. This one doesn't seem like a force out, but some more people are leaving another high-profile comic. The creative team behind The Flash, Brian Buccioletto, I think that's right, and Francis Manapool. So this dude's name is M-A-N-A-P-U-L, and I'm sure it's not pronounced Manapool, but I'm pronouncing it Manapool because that's dope. (laughs) Just saying. Um, Have confirmed they will be leaving the series after November's issue, number 25. Quote... We were really honored to have the opportunity to usher Barry, Iris, Patty, Lenny, Forrest, and the entire Flash universe into the New 52, the statement reads. We've lived and breathed Barry and are sorely going gonna, gonna miss him. That's actually in the quote, gonna. 
just, I don't know. You're a comic book writer? Like, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> um, but after three years and over 30 issues, annual zeros, Villains Month, we felt it was time to move forward and take on a new creative challenge. The pair actually started working on the title before the reboot back in 2010 as the art team in um, Geoff Johns series <laughs> that launched uh, Brightest Day. When the universe rebooted with the New 52, they kept their art duties but had taken over as co-writers. When Buccioletto and Manapool are leaving The Flash, or while they're leaving The Flash, um, they're not leaving DC. The pair did reveal that they're moving together they're moving together to a new series at the publisher debuting in March 2014. Um, we can't tell you what the series is yet, the statement reads, but we are super excited, super excited about this new sandbox um, we get to play in. While their final issue will be number 25, DC's December 2013 solicitation listed that Christos Gage and his will be writing The Flash number 26 in the special in a special standalone story. Um, the Flash 25. The Flash 25 is a tie-in to the current zero-year storyline that is unfolding in Batman. So it kind of makes sense for them to do a standalone as like the first issue because it kind of gives. Um, I like when they do that because yeah. you've seen that in the past. They'll have like a like a handful of standalones when they change creative teams because yeah. it gives them some breathing room to yeah. kind of get a feel for it. You Especially know? after like, and also you see it too when they do main arcs. Like when they do like oh a big story arc, then you get the standalone issue, which is kind of yeah. like the okay this is the breather before we start the other one. Because I don't mind when you have a good creative team leave and another good creative team replace them when yeah. they're starting a new arc. But if they do it in the middle of an arc, oh god, it, it, I shudder to think. Oh yeah, it's just so confusing. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute! Every the tone just changed entirely. Exactly, and the story's not done. Like, why? <laughs> so, alrighty. Well, this article I wrote bef- uh, going into technology news. Uh, this article I wrote bef- just after the announcement of the iPhone 5C and 5S. So I'm going to read bits of that. But also know that the iPhone 5 has already come out, or the iPhone 5C and S has already come out this past weekend. So one of the worst kept secrets in technology com- in the technology community has been um, has been revealed by Apple. The new iPhone 5C has been uh, revealed to the world, which I giggle because I say that the iPhone C C meaning cheap. Uh, unlike past events, the phone looks identical to the leaked features and the case parts that were flooding the internet recently ahead of the event. Uh, one of the main differences with this phone to the flagship iPhone is that the sides and back are all made of one piece, but with various color options. You can get your choice of colors like green, white, blur, uh, red, and yellow. I think it's meant to be blue, not blur. Uh, Phil, um, Apple's Phil Schiller claims that no one will um, no one will see seams or line parts or join um, or joins thanks to the hard coated uh, polycarbonate. It's plastic. Um, since the iPhone 5C is essentially plastic, they have created custom cases that will feel have that soft feel silicon rubber for those of you that don't wish for people to know that you couldn't afford the real iphone that slips over the handset for 29 dollars each <laughs> um mm. 
Like the newly discontinued iPhone 5, Apple is shipping the iPhone 5C with a 4-inch Retina display, and it holds the old A6 processor. It will still use the same 8-megapixel rear camera, but did improve the FaceTime HD camera for the front to improve uh, video calls or selfies. Um, Oh, God. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Apple claims that um, that the 5C will include more LTE bands um, than any other smartphone in the world. That was um, our early suggestion that this phone would become will be available globally, which it will be. The device will be available in the U.S., Australia, Canada, China, France, uh, Germany, Japan, Singapore, and the U.K. During the introduction video, uh, Johnny Ive says that the iPhone 5C is beautiful, unapologetically plastic in essence, and the iPhone 5C is the beautiful is an iPhone 5 inside the color plastic shell with an improved front-facing camera and improved battery life. Just hearing Johnny Five made that entire movie short circuit go through my head really fast. <laughs> uh, now the whole reason for the uh, for this was pricing to grab the market that they can't af- um, that can't afford the iPhone. The 16 gig model will be available for 99 bucks, while the 32 gig will be priced at 199. When you see the new iPhone 5C, it um, is it makes you regret picking up the phone since it's the newer, cheaper model. <laughs> um, Apple has um, Apple of course took pre-orders and the phone came out on the 20th. Uh, my final thought on the 5C is we all knew that this one was coming. Apple has been struggling to gain a foothold in the lower economic bracket, but it seems to basically take the current model and put the plastic seems a bit of a slight to the people who recently picked up the iPhone 5. Given that the phone iPhone um, is prone to breaking with when dropped, it makes me wonder just how durable the phone will be in plastic. My advice, pick up that extended warranty if you really want to get that. Um, and this, I personally think, real quick, I personally think, because we get a lot of phones at, at work, and we get tons of iPhones with cracked screens. I personally think it's it's the metal casing that's the problem. Because mm-hmm. most of the Androids that we get with cracked screens have metal casing too. And if you really think about it, the metal doesn't flex as much as True. the plastic. True. So I think the metal casing is the issue. So the 5C might be a little bit more durable. Um, but the thing is, is that... 5C is cheap in comparison to other Apple devices. I mean, Steve and I were talking about this before. I mean, there's there's Android devices, Android devices that are right on par with the 5C, and they're free with a contract. True. So that's kind of I wouldn't say they're in the cheap market yet, um, but they're cheaper. Yeah. Exactly. So that's cool, I guess. <laughs> um, I just feel bad for the people that just got the iPhone 5, and then it's like, oh yeah, that's the one we made plastic and cheaper now. So yeah. yeah. But they should be used to that type of shit already. Yeah, I know, right? All right, so um, they also introduced the iPhone 5S, which is the upgrade from the 5. Much like they did with the iPhone 4 and the um, 4S, there are a few more changes under the hood and a couple of cosmetic ones. The new phone will run on the new iOS 7 and looks identical to the iPhone 5, except that it comes in an array of colors. Silver, the new space gray, whichever the fuck that is, and gold. Their new standout feature is reported to be the um, the touch iPad, which has an integrated fingerprint sensor and the new Sapphire home button that that scans your sub-epidermal layers at 500 points per inch to read your fingerprint and unlock the phone, as well as authenticating various features like buying apps and using and music on iTunes or the App Store. Fingerprints, fingerprints 
are encrypted and stored locally on the new A7 chip on the phone. For those of you unsure about privacy, Apple claims that the fingerprint isn't available to apps, nor will they be sent to any server or share with the iCloud. The fingerprint will remain in your phone, which is a boost of confidence for in regards to privacy. The new A7 chip, which Apple says is the first 64-bit chip in a smartphone. iOS 7 has a built-in um, built-in apps are all 64-bit optimized. Apple claims that it creates a 40 times bump in performance and a 56 times bump in graphic performance, as well as supporting the new OpenGL ES 3.0. That was uh, a good move. Yeah. Um, they have improved the camera on the Apple's designed um, lens with a f2.2 aperture and a sensor that um, is. 15% larger. However, it's still 8 megapixels, but each megapixel is bigger to let in more light. Now, the camera software in iOS 7 is designed with the newer sensor and does a series of automatic adjustments to white balance exposure, tone map, and autofocus to take a, um, uh, to take the picture. Uh, skipping down a little bit, the battery life has been improved to 250 hours of standby with 10 hours of browsing on LTE and 10 hours of talking on 3G. Uh, the iPhone 5 is available, well, was available for pre-order for 199 at 16 gigabytes, uh, the 16 gigabyte model and a two-year contract, and the 32 gigabyte available for 299 and the 64 gigabyte for 399. Uh, final thoughts: as it, as it was with the iPhone 4S, it wasn't any jump. Technologically wise, yes, they upgraded the process, which comes hand in hand with what they launched with a new processor, as well as the fingerprint sensor technology. However, I think Apple should use the technology jump, i.e. the new iOS and um, fingerprint sensor A7 chip for a launch of the iPhone 6 rather than the upgrade from the original. Not to mention that they have no problem dropping the original iPhone while they... Um, why they still allow the iPhone 4S to remain as a free phone. To me, there is still no surprise, but the finger technology is the new Siri. Um, if you, uh, oh, by the way, boom. Uh, <laughs> for those of you too, um, some, I'm going to have a uh, write-up on this um, t- uh, today at some point, uh, but uh, some German hacker group claims they already hacked. I was just about to mention that. Yeah, the fingerprint sensor, so... Yeah. They claim, though. They, they haven't claim. proven they, it. They haven't proven it, but to me, it's kind of like, okay, I already expect this. You know, it's, Well, that's the first thing they're going to attack as soon as it comes out. But, oh, yeah. Um, it's the, one, the only thing I want to say about iOS 7 is that I think it's going to go over well in Japan because it looks like it was designed by the same people who do Hello Kitty. <laughs> it's, it's like everything's a rainbow. You know, it's, yeah. it's so colorful. And some people might do that. I mean, the new iPhone's out. If you like iPhones, you'll probably like this one. Um, I always think the S lines, the ones that are in the middle. Um, what does the S even stand for? Uh, second. <laughs> I have no. I always is like supplementary. Like you just, <laughs> I don't know. Like just in the middle bullshit. I always think the 5S or the 4S is useless. Just wait till the next one comes out. Oh yeah. But. To each his own, I guess. I mean, yeah. we only get we get two year upgrades in America, people. I don't I don't know how you guys are getting all these phones. Like, I don't know how people keep up with iPhones. I know, right? Like, you must be dropping some some serious dime on phones, and fuck that. Seriously. I mean, everybody's changing to these uh, new upgrade plans, though. So who knows? But I just got a letter in the mail. Well, I got a bill in the mail from Verizon, and they're talking about their new Edge plan on the envelope there. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with me because I have a corporate 
fine. So, whatever. Anyway. Ugh, moving on. From, stop talking about fucking iPhones. Um, great write-up, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with what Steve said. I just, I just, I'm so over. I mean, working in a retail place that sells iPhones, I have to talk about iPhones all the fucking time, and I don't. People go, hey, do you, did you know that the new iPhone? I'm like, I don't care, customer person. Go away. <laughs> I know, right? Ugh. I was telling Steve, too, like with that 5C. Um, I just bought my daughter her first phone, um, and I, I wanted to get her something nice. I got her a uh, – but I also didn't want to spend any money. Um, so off contract – or on contract, I got uh, the HTC um, Evo 4G. Great phone. Obviously, I think a generation behind. Um, but great phone. It's been very fast. been working out great. Free. Nice. You know, that that's what a cheap phone is, people. It's right. free on a contract. Um, anyway, I'm not going to be on a soapbox for too long, so we're just going to move on. Um, <laughs> one feature of the Xbox One that has a lot of people talking is the HDMI pass-through port. This port is an important part of the overall functionality of the Xbox One's television integration, since this is how you'll be able to watch TV through the Xbox One. Um, It seems this port isn't limited to watching reruns of Cops, though. Uh, The Xbox One's pass-through will support, quote, any HDMI device, uh, which begs the question, will it support the PS4? This question was brought to the to Xbox Senior Director of Product Management and Planning, uh, Albert Pinello, during Microsoft's presentation at the Tokyo Game Show. Although he didn't answer the question directly at first, it was confirmed later in the conference while Pinello detailed the Xbox, Xbox One snapping feature. Pinello detailed how the snapping feature will allow users to snap applications to the side of the screen during gameplay. Quote, any application can be snapped to a game. Um, this could be the live TV feed, so if you wanted to play Rise and Killzone at the same time, you could snap that. For the uninitiated, Rise is an Xbox One exclusive title, while Killzone is a PS4-only game. This announcement comes soon after Sony confirmed the PlayStation 4 will capture any video from the PS4's HDMI port, no matter what the source. This shouldn't really be surprising to anyone due to the nature of the technology involved. In order to stop the PlayStation 4 from being able to work with the Xbox One snapping feature, Microsoft would have to actively block the system on purpose, which would not only be unprofessional, but take away from the greatness of the feature. This is symbolically the coolest way to end this generation's heated console war. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it? Like, we fucking hate each other, and then all of a sudden they're just like fucking holding hands and i think it's so cool because most gamers who can afford it will have both systems eventually i know steve that's steve's plan it's my plan as well and to know that they can both play in conjunction with each other is kind of dope yeah you know because the xbox i actually like the xbox one's tv features like the integration there i think it's cool but i'm not going to buy it for that because it's a game system my television does that Right. So I don't I don't care. But if I could have an Xbox One and have my PlayStation plugged into it and then have just everything – it just – I don't know. It just sounds cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure this real tricky shit you could do like I'm going to watch – I'm going to watch uh, – I don't know because they have like feeds and stuff now. So I'm going to watch a game feed on Xbox on one side and I'm going to play Kingdom Hearts 3 on the other side. Yeah. That's beast mode, dude. I know. Totally, dude. <laughs> so – all right. All right. As we do each and every week, we find a company, person, or entity that does something that simply reeks of douchebaggery. 
and they become the Lazy Geeks a douchebag of the week. Um, this one uh, was actually selected for the podcast that was supposed to be last week, but I felt it was important enough to keep it as a holdover for this week, simply because um, I hate censor- censorship. So that's kind. Of, this is kind of where we're going. Um, as we get into the early 21st century, it still amazes me that people believe censorship is the way to make things normal. If you think about the amount of censorship that happened in the country during the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, you think that it was a utopia that never found a piece of violence that happened anywhere in the world. From a kid, I have always found the parent television council to be neither for parents or council. They have always targeted high-profile shows to complain about the – uh, about to give themselves higher profile in the media headlines. Of course, after how many seasons, they decided to pick up on the FX channel original series, Sons of Anarchy. While most people understand how television works, this organization is complete with an, is of complete and other morons don't. They still believe that people are manipulated by television when they actually when it is actually baseless claims that these organizations that give people who are too dis, um, who do despicable acts a reason when they are arrested because they are too much of a pussy to simply take their own life, instead shooting everyone else and letting themselves letting themselves live. In any case, after the season opener of the series premiered, a group took to the internet to voice their outrage over the over this show, and it is um, as if they have never heard of this show ever. Uh, quote: The parent. Television Council is calling on its members to contact Congress to express that urgent need for a consumer cable choice solution in response to the violent and sexual graphic depict, um, sexually graphic premiere of FX Sons of Anarchy, which featured a young boy committing a school shooting, simulated rape scenes, torture of women, and a man who was drowned in a bathtub of urine, the PTC complains. That's my weekend. Um, uh, Think about the think about the parents who have been personally affected by real life shooting, school shootings. Even they were forced to contribute to FX on their cable bill. This is an outrage and time for consumers to have a real choice. As come um, has come, President uh, Tim Winter said the organization has expressed outrage. He dismisses the old change the channel gag as a quote. Lazy excuse for a cable industry's own talking points that does not address the real problem. Quote, 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 quote. Uh, finally, P- PTC has got to the, um, got to the main event. A plug for an a la carte pushing television consumer freedom act. It's time for consumers to have a real voice and in, uh, in what they want to pay for on their cable bills. Of course, uh, show creator Kurt Sutter responded to the council in the only way he knows how. Quote, obviously, there, are some, there was some blowback today, uh, Sutter said in a webcast uh, from on his WTF webpage. The PTC, I imagine these are not evil people, but they are just not very intelligent or intuitive people. Mm-hmm. The fact that these people want to be monitoring what my children watch is terrifying. He suggests that the PTC's real simplistic dangerous view is perhaps influenced by a certain religious group or people with other agendas, which whenever that stuff crosses the line into censorship, it's just scary. It not just on a creative level, but on a personal level. Sutter did apologize for anyone upset with the episode because they were personally involved in a school shooting and suffers from it uh, every day. However, he noted that there is a very small percentage of us. I'm a storyteller. I have I have a God-given gift that I can 
share with you and perhaps entertain you and bring you along for the ride when some when anybody tries to take away take that away from me or impede that i get defensive since the episode was necessary because the show's hero or anti-hero is a father of young boys of that age who is trying to protect them from the dangerous components of his outlaw life and he deals guns to suggest that the piece of his life could not impede and bleed into other areas of his life and that he's that he'd been able to keep them separate. To me, that's irresponsible, Sutter wrote. The, these guys turning these guns onto the streets, selling them to people unaware who's using them and what they are being used for, to suggest that those guns are not could not fall into the hands of people that are going to hurt other people, including children, that's arrogant. It's almost irresponsible. Um, so thanks. Um, so again, a big thank you for all the people who are tuning in. And until somebody kicks in my door and tackles me to the ground and cuts off my fucking hands, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. So fuck them and thank you. Um, I agree with Sutter, and I think the change the channel aspect isn't lazy. What is lazy is the organization wishes to let censorship hold people back from seeing things in a different light. Uh, they want a 24-hour programming of Little House on the Prairie, which isn't scientifically proven to that it prevents violence repression and the fear of talking about it scares these people and i have never seen an episode of sons of anarchy because it isn't my cup of tea however i don't think anyone should be banned from seeing it because they don't because i don't like the content these people need to let people make their decisions and not fear that they're self-annoying that um and not feel that they are self-anointed to choose my programming for me seriously if your kids are watching this show there is something wrong with you First of all, what are you going to say? <laughs> I'm going to let you go because I always interrupt you and then start going into a tangent. So I'm going to let you go first. Um, basically, to me, it's just anytime we get into a situation where people feel that the government should um, control what comes on TV, no, they shouldn't. Because we've seen what they've done with other things and the debt ceiling and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm, I'm not really secure that they're going to be able to show us um, – proper television and there's no scientific proof that um graphic images because there's always been somebody to blame on something comic books were blamed for um for deviant behavior in prisons then it was rock and roll music and then it was um then it's films and now and then it was marilyn manson for columbine and now it's video games for everything and it just seems that we are a nation that refuses to accept responsibility for our own actions and when people sit there and say like oh well that's because of this the reason why people claim that stuff like the Batman, like the guy that shot up that Batman theater, you know why he claimed that? Because he knew everybody would buy that. Because all of the all of the people that believe that nobody is responsible for their actions, it's outside forces that um, that uh, impede on their ability to make a choice. No, if they're considering that and they're doing that, there's something wrong with them. And the fact that we gloss over the fact that people have mental health issues is really the most disturbing fact. And that's something this country has has had an extremely poor track record with. This country, meaning America, um, has had – or United States. Some countries don't like that we say America. Usually the countries in the Americas don't like that we say America. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the United States has had an extremely poor track record of uh, dealing with mental health in a proactive way. Um, it, it, throughout history, it's just sweeping it under the rug or just blaming it on other things when in all actuality, it's just the human mind is extremely complex and pretty fragile. And sometimes certain things can break it. 
Um, and it needs to be addressed. If you have – the proof is so simple. Me as a as I think a sane human being, um, which is the right amount of a sane sanity, um, <laughs> uh, I can watch something um, something graphic or, or something like that. And I'm still the same person right. when I leave that theater or when I leave my television or the book or whatever. Um, some, but then you could have the same, it's a different individual watch the same exact thing who's unstable mentally and it would cause them to do something else. That simply is proof that it's not the content that's causing the problem. It's something else that's causing the problem. Mm. And people like to overcomplicate matters when they really, the simplest answer is usually the correct one. Right. Um, my thing is I'm, I'm a huge proponent. I was having a conversation with my oldest daughter, she's 13, that art and comedy, which are kind of the same thing, art and comedy, but uh, I believe that art and comedy should never be censored, period. Yeah. I think it should be listed if it is has this or has that or has this because, you know, you don't – so the parents can make a choice. Like I don't want my children to watch people get butchered and, and stuff like that because they're too young. They don't understand it yet. But that's my choice. You know, and I think that there's a lot of different problems here that all come together. You have, let's say, fucking, I don't know, the Evil Dead reboot. So you have that movie. And I won't let my children watch that movie because it's very graphic and they're too young. Um, but they, there are parents that do, and that's their choice, fine. But if their kids do something weird because they watched it, because because the parents will blame somebody else. They'll blame the movie when it was their dumb ass for not fucking censoring it from their children. And the funny thing is, and one thing I've learned as a parent, all children, the younger they are, they're actually insane. Yeah. Because they don't have a structure in their mind. They're just imagination stations. So yeah. they're fucking crazy. Yeah, they don't so have that you, filter. Exactly. So if you subject them to things that they're not like sexual themes or, or things that they're not going to fully understand, their their mind is going to fill in the gaps. And there's a lot more fucking gaps than an adult has to form a logical explanation as to why what uh, what's on the screen is going on. Yeah. You know, And I think people don't – they don't really realize that and they don't give a fuck. Like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. I don't let my kids play Grand Theft Auto because they don't understand that it's a game. They don't understand that the things that are going on are not fun because the game is making them fun. Right. But in real life, there's consequences and there's yeah. things that you shouldn't be doing. Um, I shouldn't have to say all this, but it's just <laughs> I, I get so irritated with the current state of society in the United States of all art should be censored. It's like, no. First of all, that's a fascist state. Um, and second of all, it's it's the human condition. Even if it's ugly and dirty and offensive, it's it's humanity. You can't say no. Everything needs to look like fucking leave it to Beaver. Well, fuck you. Right. Talk about suicidal tendencies because I'm fucking checking out. <laughs> if that's what the world we're gonna live in. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let us know your thoughts on this. Uh, go ahead and comment on iTunes or the website. For Not the... that we give a fuck. No, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and let us know your thoughts on this. Uh, I know there's going to be conflicting uh, conflicting viewpoints, but go ahead and let us know, and uh, we'll tell you you're wrong, and uh, life will go on. <laughs> but but if we tell you you're wrong, that's okay, because you can tell us we're fucking assholes, and that's okay, because that's freedom, baby, because yeah. it's all about freedom on the Lazy Geeks. Hell yeah. 
All right. So um, really quickly, we got a couple of site comments here um, before we head out. Uh, M-thoms, M-thoms uh, on my iPhone 5C is revealed. Uh, they put down, uh, well, this phone seems to be a good phone, but not for every, not to everyone. If you want to upgrade to the iPhone 5 series from the 4 and the 4S for a cheap price, then the iPhone 5C is a nice phone. That is if you are okay with the um, with the backing. But I can see that Apple is trying to sell the iPhone 5S more than the iPhone 5C because they seem to want more money. Who wouldn't? Uh, you most likely get a case for the iPhone um, so all the people can uh, that can't afford the iPhone can get the C and, and get the case and it'll look the same as any other phone. And it's basically it. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know. The, the 5C is just is a blatant attempt and I don't blame Apple but it's a blatant attempt to um to compete with Android on all fronts right that's all it is i mean because they're competing directly with Android on the high end market the S4s and the HTC 1s and, right. and the LG G2s and stuff like that but they they've never competed with the like the Optimus or, or the the lower line that a lot of people are like I don't need a super computer in my pocket i just need a phone you know, that can go to Facebook. <laughs> that's, that's what most people want. <laughs> I know, so, right? You know, they're just trying to compete with that. And But in, in a typical Apple fashion, Apple doesn't really know how to be low-end. You know, they're, they're a high-end company. Yeah. So to 5C, to if you really look at the history of Apple currently, and then you look at the 5C, the 5C is a piece of junk compared to their other shit. And it really isn't a piece of junk. Right. It's just made out of plastic. Who gives a fuck? You know, whatever. Oh, this was my story, huh? Yeah. Um, miscellaneous soup. That's kind of dope. Yeah. Um, comment on my John Oliver returning to community. Final season? Let's hope it can be revised to five seasons in a movie. This <laughs> motherfucker. Um, That's a fan right there. Yeah. <laughs> Six it, seasons in a movie. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Firefly. Oh, yeah. Oh, it only had one season. Let's make that movie, movie. dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I miss John Oliver. I liked him as the uh, psychiatrist in the first couple of seasons. I even mentioned in the um, in the article uh, the the one of the greatest things I've ever seen John Oliver in, and it wasn't even him; it was just his voiceover. Is the don't bootleg DVDs thing for oh, U- yeah. UK movies? Oh yeah, for BBC. Oh my yeah. god, dude! It was always oh, yeah, it was directly for BBC because you see it in um, uh, Doctor Who. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so – it was just – it was like the best way to tell someone not to bootleg something. Yeah. Like instead of just going, the FBI is watching you. Nobody gives a fuck about that You because know, everyone knows the FBI could give a fuck if you copy a movie. Right. And nobody cares. FBI has got bigger fish to fry. But he was basically like, don't be a dick. <laughs> and that was more like to the point. I just thought it was so awesome. All right. And lastly, Savans 1982 on my Hugh Jackman may retire soon. No! Whilst I should easily adjust to a new Iron Man actor, Jackman is an awesome screen Wolverine. The Wolverine was much better flick than the abysmal X-Men Origins, and there's certainly room for another solo Wolvie flick, methinks. Um, I have to agree. Uh, I... As much as I love Robert Downey Jr., I think Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, so there probably isn't a whole lot of acting in that. Um, while Hugh Jackman, seeing how versatile he is and seeing him play Wolverine, um, it's going to be hard because he, you know, he's one of those guys that 
does look like the dude, you know? Um, and um, I did like the Wolverine a lot more than X-Men Origins, uh, but I think a lot of people did. But um, I yeah, still haven't seen it, dude. God, it, it, it's, it's really cool, and it, I, I thought it was good in the emotional aspect of the character, so I thought it was a good movie. Um, but yeah, I hope... I know he said that um, doing... Uh, Days of Future Past kind of re-sparked his whole thing as far as Wolverine. So who knows? Maybe we'll get one more movie before he's out. This comment also brings up the point that occasionally I want to use the word whilst. The word whilst. Yeah. But then as an American, I know everyone's just going to think I'm a douchebag. Because <laughs> that's not in a, the normal American lexicon. <laughs> I'm assuming this person is from the UK or Australia or something like that. Or just simply awesome. One so, of the more one of the more high end English colonies, yeah. former English colonies, or England itself. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we head out, we want to remind you to check out the website thelazygeeks.com, where you can get all sorts get all sorts of news in the world of geekdom. Also, be sure to subscribe to our Lazy Geeks Network on either iTunes or via the website, where you can get all our other podcasting content, including the In the Ink podcast, the Lazy Ring of Death, and the Cinephile podcast. Um, this month, because of everything happening, we won't have the In the Ink podcast or Cinephile, but they will all be back next month with our third year anniversary month, starting October 1st. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, so. October's also, a huge month for me. Yeah. I got a lot of shit going on next month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like us on Facebook and add us to your circle on Google. Follow us on Twitter at The Lazy Geeks, at TL. You can follow me at TLG, Stephen Vargas. You can follow Adam over there at TLG, Adam Riley. Uh, the Lazy Geeks team is provided by Kevin McLeod. So be sure to le- um, leave a comment because if you do, we just may read it on the podcast. Uh, remember, we're thinking, so you don't have to. So until next time, a peace out. Come on.